Hello there, all rumblers on the interwebs. We're back with episode 53. Talking about a game series that features a very unique set of technology. And sometimes when you sit in the technology, great things happen. Or at least things happen. Whether they're great or not, it's up for, up for discussion. But Luke... My co-host, I know you think they're great and you love sitting in the technology. So tell me about the technology and tell me how you're going. <laughs> uh, technology is advancing uh, more rapidly uh, than I could have imagined back in 1996. Yep. Well, um, we just got a good good fair shake of technology by looking at a couple of AI photos just before this podcast started. Yes. Uh, if anyone's wondering what, Kid in your park looks like in Geelong uh, from an aerial shot, how narrow it is. <laughs> AI doesn't know the answer. No. That's what we worked out. Yeah. The Bowen River runs into cryo. Anyway, sorry, I'm getting into semantics here. There's no, there's very few Geelong folk who <laughs> no. look if you Mario are, has 10 fingers on his right hand. Eating a burger with nuggets in it. Yeah. <laughs> and cheese under the bun, under the, under the bottom bun. Yeah. I mean, imagine holding that. His gloves would be all cheesy. Yeah. Oh. Oh, I was eating with fabric gloves. Yeah. That's well, Mario. Imagine like we did before, picking chicken off a carcass with gloves, like cotton gloves. <laughs> I don't want to. Is that the most disgusting thing feeling? It's pure hell. Mm. That's what hell would be. At least if hell is something different for everyone, yours would be that. And I'll tell you Endless what. Endless picking chicken with with cotton gloves on. Oh, you know what the devil would torture, torture you with? Meat scissors. Oh. <laughs> That's the worst. They're the worst utensil ever invented. Imagine cutting meat with scissors. That's what people do with like a big turkey, right? Yeah, they cut it up scissors. the back with scissors. Yeah. Oh, imagine getting all the grease and the joints. That's just why. This is why we get scissor license in prep or whatever, mate. Oh. To cut turkeys. Oh. Without stabbing ourselves by accident, like you nearly did earlier, cutting the chicken packaging open, facing a giant knife right at your guts. Oh, mate, nothing's getting through these guts of steel. Yeah. Mm. All right, I, I know what I'm doing. Except right? potentially... I know my way around a, a hidden, blade. A potentially hidden blade. <laughs> getting through your guts. Yeah. And uh, we're talking about the hidden blades of assassins that are in part of the creed. Creedology. Yeah. So, Will, what are we talking about today? Talking about Assassin's Creed Ezio Trilogy. Featuring three games, Assassin's Creed 2, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, Assassin's Creed Revelations. The peak of Assassin's Creed. <laughs> yeah. So, well, this trilogy, we've, we've reviewed the first uh, game around episode, around episode number, what do you reckon? What do you reckon? Give me a number, give me a number, any number, any number. What's That's, on the top I of reckon it was, I reckon it was 28. Nah. Or twenty or twenty nine. Could have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was after the episode I did on Metroid, which was about late twenty eight or something. I swear that was like forty eight. Forty eight was um, <laughs> Mario Parties, I think. Yeah. Okay. Well, we can have, we can always have a look. We can. We don't. We, we can have. A, I'll look at my phone. We'll we'll double check that. We'll double check that. It is it's so important. It is. <laughs> so I reviewed. Oh, oh we sorry. We discussed. Spotify. We just, Spotify's gross now. Can you shut see up? See the new update they did. Oh, sorry. It's so, so bad. 
Assassin's Creed one we have spoken about, but the next three games in the series uh, follow a singular assassin, and his name is Ezio Artore da Firenze. Well done. And he's episode 29. There you go. So go back Just to episode 29 if you, if you yeah. want to see, I guess, hear the foundational information on, you know, upon which the Assassin's Creed yeah. series is built. And for the record, 48 was Res, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Well, there you go. Yeah. Where are we? <laughs> uh, so following the the first game in the series being set in the Holy Land, sort of a very a very dry sort of affair, but still still fun. Mm. But again, just the foundational game. Uh, this Ezio trilogy, as it's become known, uh, brought a lot of life and colour to a series that was obviously only one game old. It wasn't needing a revamp by any means, mm. uh, but it turns out that this this uh, additional additional flavour, essentially, was exactly what the series needed to launch it into the stratosphere. Yeah, I wonder if they planned it ahead like when they made the first game, like were they already planning to branch into a different person post this game, mm-hmm. like different era, all that stuff? Well, now, how how much planning was actually involved? Yeah, well, you, I think it's uh, probably something that they left open-ended just to work out where they wanted to go next, uh, as in, yeah, they'd just wait and see, but they sort of left it open to do that if they wanted to. Mm. Uh, but it's very, yeah, it's it sets this very cool... It, it, the... Probably a feature that's overdone now, or we're sort of all used to it, but at the time was very cool, is that, yeah, we always thought, oh, well, you play as... In, in, in any video game series, you, st- you stick to the one protagonist generally. Yeah. So for them to change from one protagonist to another just in the second game, it was very cool because you're going to a whole mm. new time period. Yeah. But is he the protagonist? Really? <laughs> uh, yes, he is. Um, <laughs> so while... Um, <laughs> he doesn't sit in the technology. <laughs> oh, Desmond. <laughs> Sorry. I thought you meant like he's, he's actually a bad guy. <laughs> no, I mean, is, is Ezio really the protagonist? Yeah. He's an, he's an arbiter of information. Yeah. So while Assassin's Creed 1 was set in this dry, you know, uh, poverty stricken uh, environment or cities that are in the uh, the Syrian holy holy uh, lands of uh, 1191. Um, Assassin's Creed 2 takes us to the uh, beautiful, vibrant, um, you know, and living, breathing excitement, really, of what the Italian Renaissance was. Uh, and that's the late 1400s, mid to late 1400s. Um, so we follow a new Assassin's protagonist, as I mentioned before. He's a noble uh, by the name of Ezio Auditore di Firenze because he's from Firenze, of, D means of. Yeah. There we go. Really? Google Translate that. Oh. So, Auditore is his actual last name? Yeah. 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 And Da Firenze, just, or D or Da, or if you see Da in any most European um, surnames, it means they're from that place. There you go. Yeah. Um, And so, we follow Ezio as he leads the battle against the Templars um, from Florence to Constantinople, or Istanbul as it's called now, uh, from his birth in uh, 1459. Uh, to 1512 in uh, the third game, Assassin's Creed Revelations. So we're literally following a man from birth to retirement, which mm. is good. It's a, it's a very solid career we carved out for ourselves yeah. playing as him. Um, so from city guards and thieves right up to the Pope and uh, warring Ottomans and uh, uh, 
Byzantines. Uh, Ezio's got to overcome some serious opposition if he's to stop the Templars. Um, yeah, using these, he's got to stop the Templars from using the mystical pieces of Eden. One that appears, I think, the Apple of Eden's in the first game, and they're basically like mind control devices that have existed since the those who came before, which are essentially like the Roman gods, uh, effectively. So mm. it's from Adam and Eve times. Yeah, where all these sort of, you know, when technology was alien, basically, it was just uh, it was ridiculous. Yeah, just magic. Just magic, yeah, straight mm. up magic. Um, so the, it's seen the, the this trilogy, but especially Assassin's Creed Two. Um, it's seen by many as the peak of the series, and in many ways that is actually that is true. Uh, but really, I think it was just the launching pad for the serial nature the series would soon follow. You know, the sort of uh, it became too successful for its own good in a way that mm. they started doing the year on year releases. Uh, yeah. Again, I, I enjoy all the games still, but. Given everyone who isn't a fan of the, a loyal fan of the series, serious fatigue of just hearing about the thing, which isn't a good thing if you want to try to get new new fans on. Well, it just it's just become uh, as uh, as as obvious as a yearly release as Call of Duty. Yeah, you know you're getting the new Call of Duty every year. You know you're getting your new Assassin's Creed game every year. So it's like mm. there's no there's no hype surrounding it at all anymore. In my opinion. Well, thankfully they've they've gone away from the yearly stuff now. But yeah, for nearly a decade it was year it was yearly. It was just getting mm. it was just too much. I couldn't even keep up with it because by the time you finish one over, you know, it might be a two or three month period of chipping away at it. You've got to play a couple other games and the next one's out, and you're just like, I yeah. can't I can't get into this now. Especially when those, you know, Origins, Odyssey and Valhalla became so big. Yeah. You're like, I can't put time into you all of this. You haven't missed one though. I've, I missed Assassin's Creed Rogue on uh the Xbox One. Oh, does that count? It's a full. It's a proper release. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Wasn't yeah. Rogue the one that was like same time as Black Flag? I think because it was. It was Black the same Flag time was... as. Uh, wasn't the same time as Unity or or something? I thought Rogue was the one that like maybe, they yeah. made one for Xbox One, which I th- maybe was Unity, and Rogue came out for three sixty. Yeah. 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 You're probably right. Yeah. Uh, that that does make sense. Probably not Black Flag. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so in all of these games, like the first game, uh, they're all tied together uh, by Desmond Miles, who's the the man delving into all these memories in the present uh, via the Animus machine, which Will refers to as the technology uh, in all of his all of his publications. Well, yeah, just said it once and it stuck. Yeah, you did. <laughs> and I can never remember Animus. Even now, I didn't remember till you just said that. So it's easy just to call it the technology. It's just a chair. I don't know. <laughs> it's more of a bed. Um, uh yeah, I guess so. Did he lay down? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Chair. <laughs> it's like a hammock. No, uh, yeah. Speaking of, I've got a hammock now. At your house. Mm. Oh, brilliant. Mm. Oh, I tell you what, you're gonna be playing some so off topic, but you're gonna be playing some Pokemon Silver in that hammock. Oh yeah. Get the sun you, on the, Game Boy. <laughs> then I bet my neighbour's gonna water the plants and it's gonna fall straight Break on. Break your Game Boy. Nearly hit my washing a few times. Tell you what. Oh, this is the why game we bro. need Desmond Miles. <laughs> yeah, so he sort of ties this all together. Uh, again, he's the com- these uh, Altair, the assassin in the first game, and Ezio. They're all ancestors of Desmond via his uh, memories. Um, so, we're, and we're using his memories, you know, from the present to, to find these pieces of Eden um, in the past before the Templars do. So they're trying to figure out where Ezio stashed them. They knew he had one at some point, so they're going, you know, well, we got to find out where he puts it. 
because nobody knows where it is currently today. So that's mm-hmm. sort of the the point of the whole thing. Um, but also worth noting, this trilogy uh, also came with probably the three greatest cinematic launch trailers of all time. They're so damn good. Yeah. And they were, especially at the time. As in for each game. Yeah. Yeah, the, this is... Remember the, the times where, yeah, it's probably mm. around that time, 2010, where cinematic trailers and trailers generally were so good. Yeah. Like, they were everything, the hype just before it happened. Mm. So this is, yeah, it's pure cinematic. And they just looked... They looked amazing. Yeah. I feel like I'd recall one for Brotherhood that was, like, about, obviously, the sort of team of assassins maybe mm. coming out of some sort of smoke and... Out of, pan- out of the Pantheon in um, Rome. And yeah. the blokes on the thing and, and Ezio sort of comes out of the... Out of the, the pack of people, out mm. of the crowd. Really cool. Yeah. So even then I was keen on Assassin's Creed uh, Brotherhood times. Mm. Feeding off you, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, that's the general the general setup for the trilogy. Did you have any comments before we dive into Assassin's Creed 2 as the first entry? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that they haven't, uh, like, fleshed out any character in any follow-up games in more than one game since. Like, they did a trilogy of games with, uh, you know, Desmond being Ezio, and then they never did that again. Mm. Like, it's, yeah, I, like, I wonder why why now? And, I mean, it was only the second game. So, like, obviously they wouldn't have planned that far ahead, but um, it's interesting to have a trilogy like that sit right in the middle of a ongoing series of games like you don't often see that um like a, a larger condensed story in a trilogy that sits in the middle of like 10 games that are all singular mm. it's, a, it's just a weird pattern like we weird, weird occurrence i guess now when you look at it now at the time it wasn't but yeah. when you look back on it it's like that's pretty interesting well yeah so the whole and it was at the time or at least the, the few years to follow because they went from again, a protagonist in Altair to go into Ezio, which everyone was apparently crying out for for a bit more personality and they got it in Ezio because uh, he's, he's com- and I'll touch on him shortly, but he's very flamboyant, whereas Altair wasn't. Mm. Uh, we actually, yeah, sticking with Ezio for three games, you actually sort of go, everyone was sort of like, oh, I want another character now. like, And even though they begged for more of Ezio. And, that, and they got that. And then they got that. And when in um, Assassin's Creed 3, when it was Connor, yeah. and I was so excited again, this game informer reveal, like, oh, I've got a new character. Mm. He's Native American. Yeah. He's going to, you know, work, use the land more to your advantage. And, I, and we both thought it was epic and super yeah. cool. But everyone complained about him being so dour because Ezio was more more excited. Like, I don't reckon being having your land taken over by American colonial, colonial, colonialists is would have you very excited no <laughs> no it's a bit more depressing than Ezio's case i reckon yeah and uh we'll we'll talk about our thoughts about assassin's Creed 3 when that time comes for sure mm. um but yeah my other thought is um do yourselves a favor anyone and don't look up cutscenes from assassin's creed 2 and that because they're so ugly yes they got very it's actually hideous yeah i didn't even make a note of any of the the actual character models in this um, mm. because they are just muddy and oh. they've got incredibly creepy white eyes. Yeah. At the time, these games uh, felt like for both of us, it felt very um, realistic. Like when you watch them speak in cutscenes and everything, it felt like a really immersive uh, story. And like, that's not to discredit it now. Like it, it, they're good, but it's, you look back at them now and uh, I don't think they've aged very well in terms of the way they look in, in their cutscenes at least. 
bloody ugly stuff. Yeah. If you actually go back and play, given it was a bit more simplistic as well, but go back and play Assassin's Creed 1, it technically looks better than Assassin's Creed 2. Yeah. Just has such just a, like, a many grand color palette. Mm. Assassin's Creed 1. Yeah. It's so blue. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this actually, and again, I didn't make a note of this, but worth pointing out now, just to get the, the hate out of the way, you know, is that when they had this, uh, the old weapon trails, where you got the, the line that traces your sword as you follow yep. it, that was in this game. Yeah. It, it was a hard white line. It was disgusting. <laughs> it was, yeah. uh, I, I hated it. The only other thing I wanted to say was, uh, and I never played Revelations, but one thing I've always thought, still to now, is I just love the way Ezio looks on the cover of that game in his like old man state. Oh yeah, just thought he always looks so so damn cool, so hmm. badass. He, like it reminds me of like old man Marcus Phoenix. Yeah, similar vibes where he just looks like so um so like gritty and old and like he almost looks angry. I don't know. Old man Logan. I don't know how what he's like in the game, but yeah, he's. I always loved the the way that that cover looked mm. of Ezio. Well, that, it, yeah. it, and that's the that's the the, the tone of the the theme of the series really and that's why it's good that they did spread it out over three games really is that especially in hindsight is that you go from this brash young over the top charming arrogant nobleman who's slut. just yeah he was I think his mum calls him a slut at one mm. point <laughs> um, she calls him something like that um, oh I know she, she refers to him no, I can't say it just in case it's not accurate yeah um, <laughs> but she says something and um she, yeah, so he goes from that and then, you know, in, in Brotherhood, he's slightly, he's pretty mature because he's, you know, 40 or something and then Revelations, he's in his 50s and it's just really cool to see that he basically becomes the dour person that Altia sort of was anyway. Yeah. Just through, yeah. not not just pe- pessimism, but just realising, you know, the world's not fantastic when yeah. there's conspiracy afoot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just thought he looked cool. Yeah. So... Bit of an overview of um, Assassin's Creed 2 uh, from the good old Sam Wikipedia. <laughs> well, he's, he's a great uh, a great writer, Sam Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, you know, Sam Witwicky from uh, Transformers. Sam Wiki. Witwicky. Sam Wiki. Witwicky. Sam Witwicky. Yeah. Transformers. Yes, yeah, Wikipedia. <laughs> Who's Sam Witwicky, though? He's uh, making that up. <laughs> No, I'm pretty sure he's um, it's uh Shia LaBeouf. That's his character, the ma- the main character. Wiki Sam Witwicky. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up while I talk. Yeah. <laughs> Sam Witwick. Sam Wit Wikipedia. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Do it now before I go. I gotta know. D Frenzy. <laughs> Sam. Oh yeah, right up. Sam Witwicky. There you go. Samuel James Sam Witwicky is one of the two main protagonists of Transformers. With Megan Fox. Yeah, yeah it's, um, it's Shia, Shia LaBeouf or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah with um, Wikipedia. Why was Sam with Wiki not in Transformers 4? Shia had fulfilled his contract of the Transformers films and wanted to branch out and get away from franchises so he could make a name for himself as an actor. Yeah, hasn't that worked out? So. He had the Do It video and, uh, <laughs> and that was it. And the applauding in the crowd. Oh, yeah. In the theatre. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so Assassin's Creed 2. And this is number 22 in my top 50 for all those uh, was it? playing 22. along at home. I was thinking before, I couldn't remember if this was in your top 50 or not. Yeah. And, mm. and this, and again, this is... I'm still in shock from Assassin's Creed Valhalla being like number five or whatever the hell it was. So, yeah. Yeah, well, beautiful game. <laughs> yeah, I'm just in shock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So, Assassin's Creed, uh, again, from Wikipedia. Uh, Assassin's Creed 2 is a 2009 action-adventure video game developed by Ubisoft Montreal and published by Ubisoft. Bit of favouritism there, I think. Um, it's the second major instalment of the Assassin's Creed series and the sequel to 2007's Assassin's Creed. The game was first released on the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 in November 2009 and was later made available on Win- uh, Microsoft Windows in March 2010 and OS X in October 2010. Get on that Mac. The hell's o- oh. oh, right. Yeah. OS X. Hmm. Okay. Number Did 10. It come to DOS? Number 10. <laughs> MS DOS. <laughs> uh, remastered versions of the games of the game and its two sequels, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood and Revelations, were released as part of this Ezio collection compilation for the PS4 and Xbox One um, in November, on November 15, 2016, and for the Nintendo Switch on Feb 17, 2022. Was that a trilogy on PS4 and Xbox One come out in 2016? Yeah. Oh, my God. I thought it was like something that came out in the last couple of years yeah, in general. That's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's gone so fast. Jesus. So Assassin's Creed 2's plot uh, is set in a fictional history of real-world events. Again, that's the sort of the cornerstone of this series. It's based in uh, real-world, uh, real historical events, but obviously there's a bit of a twist on it. bit of a Forrest Gump approach where he, he the character appears <laughs> in all the significant moments Just happens in history. to be there. Yeah. Behind Just, the handshake. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and it follows the millennia-old struggle between the assassins who fight to preserve peace and free will and the Templars who desire peace through control. Um, it's a bit like you and I. Uh, the framing <laughs> who story... Being, who's who? <laughs> well, I guess you're free will, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. you're the Templar. Let's get this one thing clear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the framing story is set in the 21st century and follows Desmond Miles as he relives the genetic memories of his ancestor, Ezio Auditore da Forenze. Oh, da. I'm so da. sorry. I'm so sorry. Da. Um, to uncover the mysteries left behind by an ancient race, race known as the First Civilization in the hope of ending the Assassin-Templar conflict. Uh, the main narrative takes place at the height of the Renaissance in Italy. The Renaissance being a period where people were artsy. Yeah. Uh, from seventy <laughs> not for, from fourteen seventy six to fourteen ninety nine. Uh, so that's within the one game. It's twenty three. Technically, it's forty years because you do you are there for his birth. And I didn't. I don't know the family that well. I don't think we should have been in the in the birthing suite. That is odd. Mm. Like what what does that actually help Desmond and the gang solve? We just we're just there from the it's a connection. Yeah, I know, but they're there to solve a mystery, not to not to <laughs> just learn like not to read his autobiography. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so it, it follows Ezio's journey as an assassin while seeking revenge against those responsible for the death of his father and brothers. Which I don't comment on. In this review, because uh, death's just too just too sad. Not for this podcast. No, no. Mm. So, um, so generally, I guess uh, the general gist of the story, because we're covering three games, I can't get into all the stories. But basically, you know, Ezio is a young a young thief nobleman who just he just causes havoc all the time. He just he mm. just he's arrogant, runs around causing havoc for all these random uh, aristocrats like the the Medici families and. Yep. All these people, and then suddenly, 
I think, because his uh, his father's actually an assassin. He gets roped into a bit of a conspiracy, mm-hmm. and then uh, I think by extension of his dad's actions or connections, he's uh, I think his dad and his two brothers all get killed, and then Ezio decides to use his assass- his dad's assassin gear, learning how to become assassin on his own in order to uh, uncover whatever conspiracy his father was, uh, you know, killed him. And of yeah. course, it involves all of these, all of these noblemen, corrupt noblemen and everything like that who are in cahoots with some other, with some very, very dangerous people. Yeah, and that mansion that they've got and all that, I don't know if it's like a mansion a or like a small town, doesn't that all get set on fire? In, um, the, um, in the next game. That's the next game, is it? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, no, that's okay. no, no. So uh, you, you get there in this game, but yeah, it catches fire in the next one because they're too much hay, too many hay bales. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just the elements, the wind picked up and yeah, the heat. And, yeah. yeah. So it's uh, it's just worth noting that it's at, at, there's nothing signif- overly significant or surprising in how the story runs. There's a few plot twists and everything, of course, but it's not, it's not worth detailing for the sake of the episode. But uh, I guess... Uh, but. In terms of the the general story and you know, who's involved in it, the, the game's full of really pretty outrageous uh, political figures, um, you know, Italian political f- figures and aristocrats from you know history that are mostly targets because you know uh, the rich are usually corrupt, right? And we, which we would know, rubbing shoulders with such folk, <laughs> yeah, most days, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we, I, I, we can't reveal more. No, we can't. We don't want to get kicked out of the fold. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so Ezio's this, uh, I guess, it's uh, seeing Ezio develop over this, throughout this game, and the reason the reason people love him is because he's very much himself. Um, I think it's something that I'll, I'll, touch, on a bit, I'll touch on a bit later uh, when, when I talk, when I'll compare sort of what I preferred from the first game to this game, you know what it, what it did better and what it did not not so well. Uh, but the the reason people love him is because he was chalk and cheese with Altair. So he came in again, Altair, completely dour, not much, no personality really. Uh, besides being pretty arrogant, self sure at the start of the game, to Ezio sort of sort of being that same level of arrogant, and you realise he's going to go on this journey to be coming more humble. But he's just a uh, He's not a bad guy by any means. He's not killing people, that's for sure. He's not an assassin yet. Mm. The the biggest thing you do at the start is getting into a brawl with uh, Francesco de Pazzi or some something. This young this young kid um, getting in like a street brawl on the bridge and you're throwing rocks at people and you you just brawling. You get get into a huge brawl just mm. with all these other noble noble kids just being the shit out of all these you know trust fund kids, all this sort of thing. Uh, just average on goings on. Yep, just average goings on. Yeah, just posturing. You know, trying to say, you know, your father said this, my father said, you know, my father said that. It's classic fourteen hundreds. It is. Yeah. What else are you gonna do? Mm. Um. So I think so. From the very start, Ezio just introduces this. Yeah, just a really headstrong, but fun, uh, womanizing young man, and he's a good looking, good looking rooster, as well. He's got the long ponytail. Yeah. He's got, got the, that like An- Antonio Banderas, whatever his name is. Yes, that's exactly what He's I was. Got that thing going on. The Zorro. Yeah. With the Zorro vibes. Mm. And but the the and of course, 
And it's quite, this is where my role playing element gets a bit upset. Uh, it's just because he's a, he's an energetic young nobleman who grew up on the streets of Florence. Apparently that means he can free run as good as, <laughs> a, as good as any assassin in history. And I'm talking jumping off the big buildings at the haystack straight away, climbing up. And then the, the free, the, the climbing was, is being greatly improved from the last game. As in you can climb up more and a bit faster at times. Uh, but you know, like, <laughs> like why? Why does he have these skills? Well, he was running after his brothers and father while they were training, and he just did it. But he didn't know, like, he didn't really know for a start that his dad was an assassin this early. Well, maybe it's just in his blood. the The lineage probably goes further than his father. Yeah, so it's probably just in him. Just parkour in his heart. He heart would the heart of the cards. <laughs> It's in there. <laughs> the heart um, of the cards. Yeah. Hmm. Yugi. Oh, Yugi. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> oh, Yugi. <laughs> My <we>, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but even so, across the trilogy, we see Ezio um, develop quite a bit. But even in this game, we, we he, he starts to probably learn the more violent side of life. Uh, yeah. And it's quite, it is quite eye-opening for he him. He has to develop quickly. He does. Yeah. Uh, but you get a couple of little relationships going. You get to flirt with the quarters, the courtesans, which are like the prostitutes. <laughs> uh, but the courtesans is just a nicer word to put in a video game. Yeah. 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 Uh, Probably of the times, I suppose. Yeah. So Ezio is the defining, not just because he's the protagonist, but he sets the tone. Uh, for the vibe of every all of this trilogy, and especially number two. Whereas again, he's more brash than than in the other games, uh, and we go to some really nice places, which I'll touch on shortly. But it sort of just brings out just this very warm, and it's like a yeah, it's just I don't know, it's like an epoch for like art, you know, for you know art. I don't know, like generally, like if you think of like you know Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo were all lived in this time, so it was just an explosion mm. of creativity. And yeah. Uh, yeah, all the all the famous art pieces that are around today, even the Statue of David, right? Like all this sort of thing, Sistine Chapel painted in about that that same period. Yeah. So everything came for this one period of time, and I think Ezio embodies that that mm-hmm. flair of the of the time perfectly. Uh, yeah. Which and, and really, if you think of Connor after him and Ezio before, and then Edward the, the pirate, they do find ways to make the character suit the time pretty well. They don't really stand yeah, out like sure. a sore thumb. Yeah. Yeah, they they definitely would fit in like a normal person. Hmm. It's not like he's some, uh, you know, above or below society being an assassin. He's not like, you know, he's just living in the shadows. Hmm. He's just a citizen. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And he's a rich, he's, he's a rich playboy. Yeah, he's Bruce Wayne. He is Bruce Wayne in a in a way. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so also in the game, as sort of your mentor, we've got like Uncle Mario, and that's who you meet. I think after your, your dad's died, so he's the sort of there to help you sort of uh, line back up and he sorry, he, he goes into the proper detail of informing Ezio all about the assassin order and what his father was involved in. Just all and, these like fancy names. There's just Uncle Mario. Well, he actually says, it's a me, Mario, when you meet him. Yeah. And he's like, that's not the time for an Easter egg. <laughs> let me let me get into the moment. Um, but yeah, throughout, so throughout the, the game though, we get some real... Again, these these famous families I was referring to. There's the Medici's, and this this isn't necessarily going to ring a bell for everyone, but people out there who are interested in history would would obviously know. Um, 
especially Lorenzo di, uh, Lorenzo di Medici or just Lorenzo Medici, can't remember. But he that sort of uh, he puts you. He's one of your first contacts, and he's sort of the one that sets the tone early for. Oh yeah, okay, we're going to start dealing with some pretty serious people in this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've also got the Pats, the Patsy family. Um, they're real evil sons of bitches. But again, they're. they're I think they're. Fa- they're obviously their history is twisted a bit in this game, but I'm pretty sure they were involved in some pretty dark shit at the time. So. Any family called the Patsies definitely going to be up to no good. You wouldn't like them, would you? Yeah, the Patsies. Mm. Yeah. Mm. There's the Barbarigos, the Barbarigos, Barbarigos, uh, and they're uh, they're going to be good people. They're very bad. They're very bad in their heart. <laughs> there was a jovial man at some point, and then they twisted the family name. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's the Borgias, and they're actually sort of the head of the snake of these uh, corrupt families, led by Rodrigo, who's the actually turns out to be the the Templar Grandmaster. And, uh, and he's a real ass, really. He's he's not nice. Yeah. And he, by the end of the game, he he weevils weasels his way into the um, weevils are a thing. We- but it, weevil. But he, it's a Pokemon. Actually, weevils got sneasel. Turns into weevil. Weevil or we- weevil or something. Weevil. Yeah. Gen four, dude. Ooh. So. Uh, by the end of the game, he he's actually installs himself as the Pope because he's weaseled his way into the into the uh, Catholic Church. And as we know of, of the time, the Catholic Church controlled bloody everything. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there was no there wasn't much of a limit to their uh, their political power and influence, uh, especially coming from the in the first game we're in the time of the Crusades, and that whole thing was just about the about the Catholic Church just trying to get control of uh, what they thought was theirs for no apparent reason. Yeah. Uh, it's a classic trait and trope throughout the uh, throughout the series. Uh, we, all bet, we also, uh, there's two uh, very, in, two of the greatest intellectuals in Italian history and one of the greatest intellectuals in world history, full stop. Um, so firstly, we've got Niccolo Machiavelli. And so he's sort of the brain of the Italian assassins in this, but he's like a famous, uh, I don't know if he's a poet, but he is sort of like a real thinker. Like he did a lot of, uh, I think he did a lot of, I don't know if it was like social analysis or something, but a lot of his pieces are referred to. You might have heard Machiavellian, Ma- Machiavellian concepts or something. And I can't remember what it means, but it's just a, mm. you just had a lot of theories and, and, uh, Observations on humanity. I th- right. Pretty crystal sure. ball. He's a crystal ball. Yeah. Well, yeah. he's rubbing a crystal ball. Oh uh, yeah. 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 So, so that's so he's he's quite significant throughout the game. Uh, but the big guy, Leonardo da Vinci. He's <laughs> he's just like he's basically to Ezio what Q is to Bond, except of course he's um, infinitely more significant, and he's basically the original Q. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he provides you with all like some of the assassin tech um, that he finds in uh, random schematics you've provided to him that your dad, you know, that Ezio's dad had. Uh, he even gives you the flying machine at one point um, for you to use over the canals of Venice, uh, w- which is really cool. I think uh, one of the real that's one of the powerful things that the ga- the series has again is when you dealing with these historical figures, uh, even talking about like, you know, deal, rubbing shoulders with Blackbeard in the Black Flag, for example, is that when you see them 
just dealing in normal conversations. Even though they obviously it's just a game, they have no idea what really what uh, DaVinci was actually like in real life. But when yeah. you see him and you're just helping him carry his, you, when you're a young Ezio, you're just helping him carry his all of his equipment from one, uh, uh, what's it called, studio to another, yeah. or one lab or whatever you want to call it to another, and he's just talking smack with Ezio's mum because Ezio's mum was I don't know if she's a friend of his or funding him or something like that, but mm. she's helping him out. A lot, and you're just like, oh yeah, you just sort of forget that these people, they weren't exactly aware at the time that they would be going to become the most famous well, inventors, no. or yeah, yeah, because that's the thing. He was an inventor, he was an artist, um, he was a mathematician, sort of thing. Like he just did everything. Yeah, uh, and of course, a lot of people could, yeah, I don't know, like so much of modern science or art is dedicated to this one guy. So you just sort of to sit there and just be like, oh yeah, I wonder, this is probably what he was actually like, just a random dude trying to make ends meet, come yeah. up with random kooky ideas, mm. and then 600 years later, it sort of stuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's probably, yeah, like it's, his immediate family or if he had family, whatever, they probably would, wouldn't have even known what he was doing or reaped any rewards from what he had if he died, no. you know, when he died or. No. Uh, yeah, it's interesting to think about that. <clears throat> Well, yeah, I, I just think that's the, the, yeah, again, that's that was my fascination of the series. Um and looking at the places, like the the locations we go to, uh, this game was the first that really got me uh, obsessed with real world locations and um, in you know both hit, like history and geography, um, which is why the game itself um, and it was so high in my top fifty because it's, it's so important to me. Because of course we go to uh, uh, Firenze or Florence, which I know you've been to Florence. I think you've been to most of these places. Mm-hmm. Um, even in the game, in the game, it's like it's such a it's such a beautiful, um, beautiful place. It's got all these, you know, all the key landmarks, including the Cathedral of um, Santa Maria del Fiore, the the Duomo, um, and just me just playing this in a game. Like it's it's obviously not life's uh, to scale, but it's pretty damn close. Yeah. And when I didn't know that these things were real until I started looking up to see if they were real. Well, when you when we play this. At the age that it came out, we wouldn't mm. have known any better. No. Yeah. So I was like looking it up. I'm like, that's exactly what it looks like in the game. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just found I just found that so fascinating and cool and just uh yeah. Just such a nice so nice that they would put in the effort to make it the same rather than just Yeah. Go their own yeah. you know, weird way. It's like case in point for what everyone should avoid doing. It's like going to uh in you might not have seen Point Break the movie, but at the end they go to Bell's Beach. Right. It's just got all these like all these uh, Norfolk Island pine trees uh, just on on a normal beach with like these American people uh, actors pretend to be Australian. Ugh. It's the most horrid thing that's ever. Not, that's not right at all. No. But the guy goes out and gets crushed by a wave. I'm like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's accurate. But it was just so it was just so weird. I was just like, yeah, oh, gross. So these are the sorts of th- the liberties you don't want to happen. Yeah, um, it's cool when it it's cool when that kind of thing happens. That's like when I when we went to America and. Uh, I'd had played a lot of zombies in the past, and there's a map on Alcatraz Island, and we went to Alcatraz Prison in San Fran, and a lot of the, uh, and I realised while walking around that a lot of the zombies map in, in Black Ops Two is literally one for one of this prison, mm. so accurate. So yeah. I just felt like I was in the zombies map. Mm. Yeah, and it's and it's those key <laughs> details. It's not even, mm. yeah, it doesn't. They could just go ahead and make their own things up. Yeah. But it's just so nice that they they don't, and they put all this detail into the database in the game, so you can read the history of all these things. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and what a cool job that would be, just location scouting for a game. Five, yeah. five years in advance, just... <laughs> You know, doing sketches or taking yeah. photos. So good. Mm. So yeah. Well, you'll get a huge eye opener when you see this stuff in person eventually. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like that's why it's, <laughs> Italy was one of the first place I truly wanted to go overseas. Like I knew that that's where I wanted to go. Mm. Um. <clears throat> so we go to Monteriggioni. So that's the place you refer to being on fire. Well, it's not yet. Um. <laughs> so that's the auditor- uh, the Auditori family uh, town or fortress that his uncle Mario lives at, but they don't. You know, they're again they're noblemen in the city. I think his dad's a banker by day mm-hmm. as well, so that's why they're in the city. It's a banking family. Uh, but you go there once you once Ezio goes there when his family's died, um, or been just completely decimated, and uh, you go yeah. Throughout the game, the more loot you take, the further you progress. You can start putting money and resources into the place to redo it back up because it's been neglected by the auditorius for so long yeah and now you're back there and you can start putting the money into it you start to get this it sort of goes from a um you know like a struggling village up to a booming trade hub yeah which is really which is really cool and sort of they that's a recurring theme throughout the series from excuse me from then um but it's yeah it's good to take pride in home in a game that just lets you if you want to just chill out and you know, look after you, look after the place a bit. Yeah, get it's away always, from the killing. It's always nice to have a hub to uh, to work on and make make more better and relaxing a game. Mm. Think uh, Wellspring Glades. Oh yeah, yeah, in yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing. So this is the first time I tried that, and that's probably why I love those sort of things now. Yeah, they're not. You don't need to do them, but you just can. Yeah, it's just uh, yeah. it's just pride in place, you know. Mm. Wellspring Glades. Helps you helps you live the character a bit more, like be in the world. Yeah, makes it more immersive when you can just spend time doing normal person things mm. in a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it regrounds the character a bit too. They're getting a bit a bit ahead of themselves. Yeah. Um. So the, the next up and the the second main city because it's sort of there's a couple of little regions we can go to in between, but Florence and also uh, Venice is the other place that uh, fully redesigned or fully. Uh, Really replicated, mm-hmm. uh, and it's um, so right when you're starting to feel a bit landlocked with uh, with Florence, the game throws you to the wonderful Venezia, um, offering more interesting traversal as you know water and swimming comes into play for the first time in the series. Because Ulti just died as soon as your foot touched the water in uh, in the first game. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the Basilica uh, di San Marco is the uh, is the sort of architectural highlight in Venice. Um, just think yep. like the Duomo. Um, yeah. Especially when you have to break into it to kill the, uh, the Doge, um, Carlo Grimaldi. Grimaldi. He just sounds gross. Doesn't sounds he? like a mobster. He does. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so that's a, that was a very, very fun contrast. Um, that I don't think I no Cause if I wasn't really researching things like that on the internet at the time. So I just thought, yeah, one city that's huge. That's enough. Mm. And then all of a sudden they take to Venice and I was just like, you're kidding me. This is just like, <laughs> uh, just so much, so much love was put into it. Uh, yeah. Coming again from the first game where you go to multiple cities, but they're all fairly same, same. Yeah. And yeah. this one was just like, oh, wow, you guys are just, you properly put effort into just yeah. jazzing this up. The budget clearly went up. Yeah. <laughs> as well. Yeah. And I think this was the last time Patrice Desolet, Des- Desolets, uh, he was the creative director of the first and second game. So he he did this and then he left. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> that's um, 
Yeah, I was. I was. You could see the care he put into it because he was there promoting the game mostly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we also go to Rome for the climax. Um, you get a bit of a sneak peek at the big Kahuna of the Italian cities, which yep. is Rome. Uh, sneaking into the Sistine Chapel is as cool as it sounds, um, as you disrupt mass and come to blows with the Pope himself. <laughs> no, we all want to do that, don't we? Yeah. Um, you also get to visit the Tuscan countryside in um, San, San Gimignano and uh, visit Forli in Romagna. And they're cool, just cool little uh, small cities. And it's nice to go to Tuscany. Yeah. Get those sun-kissed hills. With the, Lovely. With the little flowers blossoming. <laughs> uh, and it was, yeah, it's just very, very nice. Where did you, you've played, because you played most, you played all of two and most of the, most of Brotherhood. Yeah. What was your, you know, what was your favourite city? Probably Venice and Florence, or like what do you, what, uh, what do you remember? Probably, I'd say it's probably Florence. Like in the game, uh, I don't know. You, you spend the most time there, anyway, hmm. in Florence. But um, I don't particularly remember the Venice parts uh, of the game. Like now that you bring that up, I don't particularly remember that. Hmm. So I'd like to see that. Again. It's like the Carnival and stuff like that. Yeah, I'd like to see that again. Um, just to see like how one for one it is as well, um, but yeah, I, oh, I don't know. I, I recall the 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 sort of ending interaction with the Pope pretty well, um, at least. Yeah, sneaking in there, waking you with the papal staff, which is a piece of Eden. Yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just a <clears throat> it's just a great living, breathing, uh, yeah, replication of the real world that uh that was unique at the time to. For yeah. in, in terms of historical, would have been one of the sense. first times that's been done properly mm. in a game. Yeah, for that scale, for sure. Mm. And Ubisoft became addicted across all, all a lot of its games. It started replicating everything. <laughs> Watchdogs, yeah, God, just loved it. <laughs> uh, so, just in general, my my thoughts on the, the personally, what I thought were improvements on the first game. Um, so yeah, the characters are so engaging and just full of life by comparison. But again, it sort of make it suits the the time period and like the the setting generally. Um, everything relating to gameplay is made more functional uh, from the free running, and you know the climbing the buildings to to combat with the with the tools that you use. Like you get a bit of a, it's very slow to use, but you get like a pistol on your hand, and that's a, a da Vin- yeah. that's a Da Vinci inv- invention. Mm-hmm. Um, a, re- a wrist a wrist pistol, so it's a hidden pistol. Um, takes a. Yeah, <laughs> if you try to use it now, it would just seem like the lamest thing of all time. But at the time, trust me, it was pretty damn cool. Yeah, because um, <laughs> you were being sneaky. Yeah, you know. Oh yeah, mm. I mean, nobody knows what I'm up to. Yeah, and you love being a sneaky stealth player. Oh yeah, in things. So, and then bang, your jam. For sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you delve deeper into each city as you chase relics in dungeon-like puzzle rooms, which are a ball uh, to traverse. So you get to go into like the yeah, like sort of dungeons of the big, um, like you don't, so you don't necessarily get to go free, free running around the Duomo, for example, but there is a part where you're actually in the dome, I think, mm. doing this, just trying to collect a, uh, what is basically like a puzzle piece that leads you to getting the armor of Altair or something, which is just a black, it's like an all black, um, very Italian outfit. So I don't know how, don't know how old are you when <laughs> when Italian at some point in his life, <laughs> bit of midlife crisis, I think. Uh, but yeah, that so that that was a bit of a fun side quest. Um, you can blend in with uh, more groups of folks because it used to be just be the the priests or the monks in the um, 
in the first game. Yeah. Um, so you can use courtesans um, as well. Which you have to pay them. Mm. Uh, but you can also pay groups of thieves to lead guards away from points of interest or uh, even pay mercenaries to beat the beat guards up while you sneak quietly by. Yeah. Uh, so that's a fun little little dynamic. And that's and it's another thing. You have coins you can throw around. So if you want to disrupt guards by getting all the um, all the townsfolk to come and try to pick the cash up, the guards always come in as well. So that's another way to distract them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they added a lot. I think generally it just feels... The game in general just feels well so much better paced and engaging. Like the the first game in comparison, it's honest, don't think Sneer is as engaging. Mm. Just generally because the pacing of it's slower. Yeah. Um, it looks like not as exciting visually. Um, and yeah, the story with Ezio, obviously Ezio is a, a much more flamboyant character in general and all the families and all that. So it helps it uh, feel a lot more alive mm. when you're walking through the streets. And yeah, those extra abilities help too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess about and Altier was defined by the Assassin's uh, Creed as such, and but Ezio became started learning. Like he he only gets sworn into the Assassin's Brotherhood towards the end of the Venice part. Mm. Uh, otherwise, he's just a a renegade who's using Assassin's stuff. Yeah. To to uh, you know seek revenge. Again, did Desmond and that really need to know all the all the uh, all the prologue? <laughs> for him being part of the creed, or what's yeah? Hey, he's as much of a sucker for his good story as we are. <laughs> but he, uh, but even the yeah, even this the fact of Ezio throwing cash around like Altier mm. wouldn't have done that because he wouldn't have had cash because he's you know devout to the creed. Yeah. Whereas uh, yeah, Ezio throws cash around because it shows that he's the rich, you know, rich. He's just got yeah. money, money to spare and all that sort of mm. thing. So just these little details. Um, but most significantly, especially at the time, the coolest part of this was that Ezio had two hidden blades, and that was the 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 series defining weapon, um, not as not as meaningful anymore in the games, but it was certainly cool at the time to have yeah two wrist blades to take out two guards at a time yeah especially uh, you know an aerial assassination jumping off yeah. a building chasing I'm- after something and you can jump fifty meters off a building to kill someone now not just <laughs> not just the five meters yeah I think I've asked you I think I've asked you uh, already before but do they still have the hidden blades now in like the most current games, yeah, still a thing. Yeah, yeah. Some of them, there was a, there was a game I can't remember which one it was. I think it was, I think it's Valhalla. He actually has it on the top of his wrist, so it's like a punch, more of a punch thing. Yeah, okay. It sort of makes sense, mm. really. It, think, yeah, it does in that in Vikings scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, it's still it always it always pops in. If there wasn't going to be there, it'd be right, and I'd be leading it. <laughs> uh, but. Yeah, this uh, compared to the first game, you got I think you upgraded your armor. The armor upgraded as you went along, just by leather leather pads and the the weapons upgraded based on your when you perform assassinations. You, you'd get just given it automatically, but in this one, you can actually buy armor and and um, weapons as well. Yeah. So different types of swords, um, <clears throat> and of course, uh, in, yeah, you can get that legendary armor of. Um, Altier. And the higher the more higher end armor you get, like the metal plate ends up being you can get sort of designed and embossed with different patterns and stuff and it looks mm-hmm. really cool. Um but yeah, generally the combat uh is more free flowing, but I think that doesn't necessarily it's not necessarily a good thing. And that's so and that's just because I think the fact that Ezio is more aggressive in his attack, in his uh, in his sword play and everything, 
He just doesn't have that assassin vibe like Altair did. Um, Suppose not. And, yeah, like, he was fun, of course, but I missed. I did miss Altier's cold, uh, his cold edge, and even if not his American accent, of course. <laughs> uh, but, like, the sword play is more aggressive again, but it, 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 and it makes... So it makes open combat a more valid option, whereas in, you know, you, in the mm. first game, you're just trying to... You're just trying to be stealthy. You're trying to stay out of sight. And you've probably never gotten that back. No. Until Mirage, maybe. Until Mirage. I think. Which is out now. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> but yeah, so again, this open combat, it just sort of takes away from this assassin vibe of, uh, you know, sneak in and dart out, and um, which I'd come to love from the first Assassin's Creed and the Hitman series as well. It's all about yeah. you know, how discreet you can be. Yeah. Um, but I actually enjoyed the open combat in the first game <clears throat> um, because it was all counter based and more difficult. So you, you weren't you couldn't be atta- aggressive because you didn't you didn't have all the gear for it or the armor, uh, but you could wait for them to come to you. And this, this number two sort of is the same, but you, and you could counter them. But it just there's something just far more satisfying about it. Like he was just a really precise assassin, yeah. not at all a brute force sort of person that Ezio is. Yeah, it does feel like in those Ezio games that you have. Uh, situations where you're sort of just surrounded by five or six guys at once and you just got to counter and, and mm. combat rather than actually just sneaking around and doing doing things quietly. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like the likelihood of that happening is way higher mm. than the first game. Yeah, and there's something about being caught, playing, being LTE, you know, being caught and just knowing like, oh, I've got these guys, I'm going to carve them. Whereas with, with Ezio, you just sort of like, oh, yeah, this is because Ezio been picking fights since the very mm. start of the game. I'm just going to be brawling my way out of it. Yeah, it's just a different, a different thing. Yeah, it's uh, got a bit of Batman Arkham about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they do at least let you undertake assassination contracts um, as you please inside missions, which is assassiny as um, AF AF. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and the Roman gods, um, or those who came before this first civilization, do come into it, which is cool, but they aren't as mysterious as you would hope. Mm. It's not that cool, really. But that's Assassin's Creed 2. The general vibe of it. F- fantastic, you know, game changer. Yeah. It was very cool, very fun, and it was warm. Too warm, but f- great. <laughs> but almost too great. But... <laughs> Why? I don't understand. Was it was why is it too warm and too great? <laughs> because it just wasn't an assassin. You can't just get willy nilly be a rich guy and go. Oh, I'm going to be an assassin. But you like but but Assassin's Creed Two is number twenty two on your top fifty. Yeah. Where's Assassin's Creed One? No, see the assassin part was the strength of that, but the overall game wasn't that strong. This overall game is super strong. It's just the assassin vibe isn't quite as much as I'd like it to be. Yeah. You know? So 90% of the game was right, but it needed that 10% that was right from the first game to make it 100%. Yeah. That would take us up to about 110%. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so thanks, that, that's... Thanks, cowboy. <laughs> yeah, no worries, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that, anyway, that's Assassin's Creed 2. Any final thoughts on Assassin's Creed 2 before you die? <laughs> um, no, I just recall. I mean, I I remember when I first met you, you being, uh, you know, that was something you were really interested in. Two thousand nine, of course. Uh, when I first met you, so 
obviously there's mentioned before there's certain games that we both became fond of or like you know you already liked that i was i experienced through you because of you um and assassin's creed was one of the ones you really loved so i've known of assassin's creed 2 ever since i met you basically um mm. and it's a yeah it's a good game one i finished i imagine i borrowed it from you at the time yeah um one of one of the few assassin's creed games i actually beat um but then brotherhood uh i, I remember being keen for brotherhood but yeah i never finished it but brotherhood was a lot of fun with that added extra multiplayer and all that which we'll sure we'll talk about yeah so assassin's creed brotherhood is a 2010 uh, action adventure video game developed by the same lot uh it's the third major installment in the assassin's creed series and the second chapter in the Ezio uh, trilogy. Uh, it was first released on the PS3 and Xbox 360 in November and December 2010 and was later made available uh, available uh, <laughs> on Windows Microsoft. Yeah, it's really hard for me to say Microsoft Windows. As opposed to Windows Sega. Yeah, I really struggle to say Microsoft Windows. Uh, <laughs> just say Windows. That's why I keep going to do it. Uh, I'm just... <laughs> Credit where credit's due. Just say DOS. They invented Windows. Mm, DOS. Mm. MS DOS. I also thought that was like an AI thing. <laughs> uh, a remastered version again was released when I said it was before. Um, so the plot is set in, in a fictional history. Did you know that? Um, As opposed to the other game, which was not non-fiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so... Um, so we're using this machine. Desmond's using the machine, the Animus, and this is the, the, the detail that's probably worth reminding you of. That uh, we're searching these memories of of, uh, of um, Ezio and to find these pieces of Eden because we're trying to find a way to avert this 2012 apocalypse. We don't even know what it is, but the apocalypse is coming. Yeah, this is set in 2011, which in, when these released in 20, 2007, 2009, 2010, that was in the future. Yeah. <laughs> Guess what? Nothing happened in 2012. <laughs> we finished school. Yep. That's pretty cool. We did do that. Sydney beat Hawthorne. And we went straight into the Creed. Oh, yeah. 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 So the main story of Assassin's Creed Brotherhood takes place during the Italian Wars, uh, spanning the years 1500 to 1507. So it kicks off a year after the ending of the first game. Uh, the first second game. The first, the first game of the trilogy. The first Ezio game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the second game. But the third as well. Uh, it's not a third game. What game are we talking about now? I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, <laughs> I'm actually confused myself. I don't know where I was at. <laughs> so, yeah, between 1500 and 1507, uh, and it continues the events from Assassin's Creed 2, as Ezio takes the fight against the Templars, led by the powerful Borgia family, to Rome. Uh, where he attempts to rebuild the Assassin Brotherhood in Italy and liberate the city from the Borgias' control. So, again, this is more of a spin-off. It was a bit of a surprise when they announced it. We thought we'd get a new Assassin, but they went Brotherhood. Mm. Um, and it wasn't numbered. Again, it was no. Assassin's Brotherhood, and that's where we started thinking the alarm bells started ringing a bit for spin-off. Yeah, did people call it Assassin's Creed 3 at the time? No. No, no one was saying that? No. Yeah, okay. I just wonder if people didn't know any better, being it was the third the third game. Yeah. 
Well, given yeah, given two made an, a point of calling it two. Obviously, it's just uh, and this was brotherhood. It started. It started. Yeah, the alarm bells for serialization started. What are we actually up to? What's Mirage? Ten. Oh, uh, yeah, 11? yeah. You'd have to look it up because they they went away from Assassin's Creed Four Black Flag. They blended obviously the number and and the the subtitle. Yeah, and then ever since they've just been subtitles. Maybe they'll go back to number one at some point. But uh, yeah, so it's 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 um it's set in Rome uh, solely uh, this time. It's only the one city, which makes sense given it is a bit of the spin-off as it was less of a development time. But it does build upon most of the uh, you know, like it is a natural progression from number two, uh, making it better in some ways, but probably not as strong. Um, given it is that sort of spin-off from the core series. And yeah, that's that first non-numbered entry. Um, yeah, the, these games aren't listed in the spin-offs category on Wikipedia. They're in the main series category. Yeah, technically it's it's correct, but it's a spin-off vibe that we didn't necessarily appreciate. Mir- if you go by the main series in order, Mirage is the 13th. It feels like 20, doesn't it? Yeah, it's the 13th. And Assassin's yeah. Creed... For Black Flag is num is Assassin's Creed Six. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yep. <clears throat> well, that's weird. No, because number four. No, no, we can't count as main series if if Black Flag's four and Assassin's Creed Three is three. Yeah. Well, Assassin's Creed Three is Assassin's Creed Five. So let's say, yeah, let's say Mirage is eleven. Well, if you if you feed the two spin-offs into into two as one entry, that's what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So then it would be Assassin's Creed 11. Yeah. yeah. Mirage. Oh, very modest. So Val, so Valhalla was Assassin's Creed X. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> um, so the whole game of Brotherhood is about diminishing the Borgia's control over Rome, uh, while Ezio becomes increasingly badass after the Borgia's attack his home and kill his uncle Mario. His family is getting decimated by these Templar bastards. Yeah. Uh, he's... Uh, he's just at this point I think he's been he's become a master assassin uh, and what that makes his in his 40s now being born in 1459 uh, so he's he's getting he's becoming that wily old silver fox yeah and who's he gonna call <laughs> I, I don't know his uncle Luigi <laughs> He's stuck in the mansion, Montregioni. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, that's why we had to go live with him. He's getting spooked all the time. <laughs> uh, so Ezio's, Ezio's growth in this is, again, just that natural progression. He's uh, he's not... He's not the... He's still the sort of... He's like the George Clooney, you know. He's a, he's a hunk and he knows he's a hunk. But he's got more serious things to fry than just... Gee, he can't just deal with women all the time. He wants to settle down. But he can't settle down. He's got too much baggage. Yeah. He's like the opposite of Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. You know, these guys, they, they're playboys their whole lives and they think, yeah, it's good. I'm, I'm the man. But then they get to 40 and they're lonely. Leo's not. Well, he's got problems. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps going for the 20-year-olds. <laughs> Creepy as hell. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Leo besides. Uh, and he's in better shape than Leo. That's yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Leo couldn't free run. No way. <laughs> no way. 
But yeah, Ezio's got this beard now, big black, a thick black beard. He's, he's rather stoic. He's mature generally. He, in in this game, so he's the master assassin, but he becomes the mentor, which means he's in charge of all of the assassins' uh, bureau, assassins, assassins' order, the assassin order. That's what it's called. He's the mentor for all of all of um Italy. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know if that's cool or not. It's like when they say at the end of a, a footy game. You know, it's like so there was a massive, really good mark, and you think that's going to be mark of the year, and they say, "Yeah, that was one of the best marks we've seen this week." Yeah, you know, you're like, <laughs> so is it really that good? It's just yeah. a small territory. <laughs> uh, uh, but he also gets this awesome outfit. So the first one did suit his flamboyant uh, sort of carnival, uh, you know, chest exposed uh, sort of pantaloon looking looking thing. It was pretty cool, but baggy, just just really. Just cool. Mm. Puffy shirt from Seinfeld style. Uh, but in this one, he's got the full robe all the way down all the way down to his feet. Um, it's just really sleek looking. It's almost like similar to a Jedi's progression. Um, if you, you see, think of like, yeah, Jedi masters when they get just the really white, sleek robes. It's like that, yeah. except he's got a hood, of course, mm-hmm. and with red inside. Jeez, he looks badass in this. <laughs> It just makes it a really a really good cloak robe. Yeah, makes you feel cool. Must be hot. Oh yeah. Mm. Oh, he's used to being hot. Must be heavy. Yeah, mm. it's a burden to bear. <laughs> uh, but the best so but the best thing about this game is the new combat system, uh, which turns Ezio into easily the greatest fighter to have ever lived. It's uh, it, it's it's totally overpowered. Uh, it may not feel, yeah. You know, it's not this sort of stealth assassiny thing that obviously I've, I was saying that I wanted to get back towards, but it just makes you, or it makes Ezio just feel like that total, just such a badass. It's based on streaks, so basically, as long as you don't get hit, uh, once you once you kill an enemy, if you don't get hit, you can just keep hitting X or you know X for uh, well, played on three sixty, yeah. Um, just to chain up all these all these kills, so he, so he'll just uh, yeah he'll just basically strike them down like cut cut through them like butter, and it's uh, it makes you really appreciate or puts you in awe like in the similar ways we've spoken about Batman before, where you just think, you know, this this is him in his prime, like he's become that total badass mm. who just you know fighting guards. During the day, is just nothing to him anymore. <laughs> yeah. it, it, child's it, play. It is child's play. And especially when you get your little shorter dagger out and he just starts dodge, dodge because you dodge at the same time and you stab him in the back. And it's just, it was one of those, oh, I don't know. Is there something about it? It just, it was like, I don't know. There's been another game series entry like it. I feel like there is somewhere. Um, or probably, probably you know, similar to Batman, yeah, the Arkham series. That that sort of mm. makes you feel good because you're countering at the same time and just carving him up if you don't get hit. Yeah, it's that same thing, but with a sword. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it just made uh, you know, it, it's you know this adult dad man that we just <laughs> always wanted him to be. Yeah, okay. <laughs> just by this outfit though, the outfit just adds to it. I can tell by your face that it really. Uh... It really does something for you. It does. Yeah. Can you put it up on the screen there while I talk? <laughs> so much so, actually, when we were in year 12, 
year 11 or 12 media. Mm. So what's that? What year did this come out? 2010. 2010, 11. Year, year 10 or 11. I did this media thing. We had to put together a video of like video games. Oh, no, we had to do a video of something. I just decided to put all these clips together of my favorite video games. Right. And I had like a metal track playing behind it. That's the worst thing of all yeah, time. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was just a kill streak from the game. Yeah, okay. And it was just the most satisfying. I was just showing people like how sick this. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I had no friends. Yeah. Well. Um you you left me for Gold Coast. Yeah. And I see why. Because of the video. Yeah. Yeah. Um Well it wasn't the just video, it was your persistence to have to show everyone on the schoolyard oh, and yeah. make us stand behind you to be your wingmen. Yeah, it's lucky there was no girls at our school. I would have I am, because if they'd seen that uh, by by definition of knowing you, I, I would have never been able to talk to any girl the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But bound for success. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think the... Uh, oh, the, the key. So the key to the Brotherhood name of the game and why it's called Brotherhood is that Ezio can now recruit random folks throughout Rome to join the Brotherhood, uh, the Assassin's Brotherhood, uh, which you can upgrade with skill and... Uh, you know, and equipment and send them on overland, you know, missions to perform hits and bring loot home. But most importantly, as the trailer suggested, like uh, mentioned earlier, you can call them in to take enemies out um, either to join a fight that you're in or, for example, if there's a guard that's uh, watching over an area you need to sneak into, you can look, you can aim at him, press the right bumper or whatever it was, and one of your one of your assassin buddies would come up behind him and pick him off for you. Mm-hmm. It just felt so cool. Yeah. It just made you feel like this uh this total mastermind. Pulling the strings. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's like it's like you think of those if you think of Sith Lords and things like that. They always have these minions go in for them. Um they never really put in any effort. But then when it comes their time to fight, like mm-hmm. you would for Ezio, you're carved up. <laughs> and uh so again it makes you it makes you pretty overpowered. But really, it just made you feel so badass. Yeah, and that's what Ezio had to be at that point. You can't be failing as Ezio at this point of his career. Well, yeah, you can't be you can't be any less cool mm. like than the previous game. Mm. You can only be more cool. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so Cesare uh, Borgia, he's the the son of the Pope himself. He's become the uh, he's the main villain of this game. Um, he's the madman who actually uh, he actually kills off old Rodrigo because Rodrigo thinks he's going too wild, and then he kills him back. You know. He goes, I'm going to kill you. And then he kills him back. <laughs> and uh, that's that's heavy. Yeah. Mm. But he's just he's just a evil, evil, jealous, weird son. You know, they happen all the time. Yeah. Um, but in terms of Rome, the city, the Pantheon and the Colosseum are undoubtedly the, uh, the, the landmark highlights here, as you can imagine. Uh, the Colosseum and the Pantheon are both sort of uh, architectural wonders. Uh, yeah, very cool. So it's it's cool to be able to yeah just walk around and see these places again. Um, and I think it's uh, but something that something that sort of adds a real flavor to the city. Um, that you probably you know that that's where the the less historical accuracy probably comes into it, but it's just really fun. Um, is that they uh, there's a side quest involving the Sons of Romulus, um, which is a barbaric cult who worship the you know Rome's founder, being from the story of Romulus and Remus, 
Um, and eventually uh, you can get Brutus's armor um, if you sort of go through all their, their bases and everything. Uh, Brutus being the famed Roman politician who was, uh, you know, involved in the killing of Julius Caesar. Mm. So even if it's made up, it still ties back to these little cool historical moments. Yeah. Um, but as far as the Desmond story goes, what makes uh, this cool is that he's finally learnt the skills of Altier and Ezio through experiencing their memories. Um, and you get to run around modern-day Monterigiani, um, bringing you all the closer to the memories of Ezio, which is the first time in the series where you're actually seeing a modern-day version of what you're running around in the past. Yeah. Which is really, really cool. Yeah, they set their, like, they set their, like, lab up at the... That place mm, in the um whatever it's called. in the palazzo or whatever yeah in the in the home yeah yeah that's really cool um but yeah just, and just quickly on the multiplayer before we move on to revelations um I think it was although it was underutilized but really good but generally that was a lot of fun yeah so the the general concept of it was uh, you're an assassin you know walking around this little map and obviously there's other players in it um and I think there would be a one player who would be a target. And they're just walking around the map trying to blend in with the crowd. Yeah. And everyone's got to try to Everyone's trying to off. blend in at the same time because no one wants each other to see each other. Because mm. you can kill off the other assassins and all yeah. that sort of stuff, yeah. So it's like a bunch of assassins just walking around on a small map, <laughs> just killing each other from behind constantly. Yeah. Uh, but there, there's, I think there's like a main target to get you maximum points or something. Yeah, or it's everyone... It's like a timed thing. Or every assassin has a target and everyone's a target mm. from someone else. Yeah. Um, and it's really, yeah, because you got to stay in because you you know that your your assassin is going to try to get you if you expose yourself too soon. <laughs> so yeah. it was a really fun cat and mouse yeah setup. It was fun, and you could do, you, there was random you know uh, mods and stuff like or uh, not mods but skills where you could disguise yourself as another NPC momentarily. Yeah, just to sort yeah. of break line of sight. Mm. Um, which again, it's not it breaks that it's not it's not a real. Uh, what is it called? Like realistic thing by any means. Yeah. Uh, but it's just the animus wreaking havoc, the technology. Yeah. I'm guessing that multiplayer didn't hasn't stuck around. No, not at all. Yeah. I think Assassin's uh, Black Flag was the last one. Yeah, okay. Or Unity. Unity had it where you could join other people's missions, which is cool. Like co-op though, but not versus. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, the versus was fun. Mm. It was fun. I even used to play it a little bit on like Steam on PC. I just installed that, I remember, just because I wanted to play some of that multiplayer yeah. on down computer. On oh, Windows, Microsoft. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, um, yeah, so Brotherhood Brotherhood was a very, if you're treating it, and I sort of do as a bit of a spin-off, it was a very, very, very good one. Mm. Uh, a lot of people nowadays say it was better in a lot of ways than number two, or it's one of the best games, even though at the time they complained about it. Mm. It's the classic. Um, but... It was, in terms of Ezio's development, it just sort of, uh, it just, yeah, it just cemented him as a bit of a legend um, in the same way that Altier was. Like, he's a, he, this is a, where the first game, again, he was more of a renegade in this one. He's actually a pure assassin the entire game, mm-hmm. um, which is really cool. And, uh, yeah, being around Rome and going around, uh, you don't you actually get to run into it besides being in missions, but, you know, Going in the Sistine Chapel again, um, going to dungeons around the um, St. Peter's um, mm. Basilica, all these sort of things. Just really impressive yeah, and fun. Um, 
and yeah, at the end of the game, just for <clears throat> worth noting, I think uh, Cesare, Cesare, you end up defeating the Borgias and he ends up going away somewhere. He flees to Spain or something. And then on behalf of the new Pope, like, no, he, he runs, he goes to Spain and then Ezio finds out where he is. And in the, in the climax, you go over to Spain through like this, I can't remember what the war was, the war was, mm. but um, yeah, maybe it was this Italian wars that he's re- that, that referred to earlier. And you end up challenging him on like the battlements of a castle and he has, he has the piece of Eden. Yeah. Cause you finally got the, you found out where he is and you get the piece back. Mm-hmm. Cause that's right. He, he flees with the piece of Eden. You think it's lost. And then he, um, <clears throat> you end up fighting him while he's got all the powers of the piece of Eden. Sort of like Elmwell him in the first game. And then, uh, you know, he says, oh, no man can kill me. So Ezio just throws him off and lets gravity kill him. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. Who knew gravity was known back then? No, not me. Mm. Mm. Um, so that's the end of that. Again, it's sort of a, I think, a, and it's worth noting, it's worth noting going back to the end of the second game, just for context, that uh, when Ezio does defeat uh, the Pope, but he sort of lets him go, he has mercy on him. That's why he survived into Brotherhood. Um, the god Minerva appears and talks to him, but the big cliffhanger is that he says uh, he talks. He's, she's talking to Ezio, and then she says Desmond, and she's looking straight at the camera. Yeah, and yeah. you're like, holy shit! And then Ezio just goes, "What?" <laughs> or something like that. Or or Desmond <laughs> doesn't. It cuts out. It's really cool. Yeah. So this whole thing is Ezio is starting to come to terms, and that's why he's more dour. He's starting to come to terms that he's not the actual meant to be the saviour, mm-hmm. he's actually literally just a messenger between a god and someone he doesn't even know but is somehow <laughs> with him somewhere. Yeah. Which comes into fruition a bit in Revelations where he starts to realise, like, I, this Desmond guy, he knows what I'm doing but got no idea what or who he is. <laughs> <laughs> so it's um, it gets a bit tangly in that way. But, mm. but yeah. Did you, um, did you have any other thoughts on Brotherhood? Generally, no. I mean, I didn't finish it from memory, um, and I don't even know why I like dipped out of Assassin's Creed at the time, because obviously I played two, and we would have both had Brotherhood. I, like I would have bought that by myself, but for whatever reason, I dipped out of it then and didn't play Revelations. But then I was back for three, so I'm not really sure what happened there. But the, from memory, the time I spent with Brotherhood was good, and like even though even what you were saying before, I remember like. Um, kind of like ordering the other assassins to kill people as you're walking down the street or something, stuff like that. I remember it being cool. Yeah. Um, when you upgrade them a spec right to the top, they just slice through everyone too. Yeah. Yeah. So no, no, no ill will towards the game, but I, I didn't finish it, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Well, but revelations, it? I just have no idea. Like <clears throat> I've, I have no idea about revelations at all. Um, yeah. Well, <clears throat> I think brotherhood as well. It's a, it was, uh, it's sort of in that weird, and it, it might at the time it might have been fine, but it feels like these days, if we think about that 2010 period on the 360 PS3 era, sort of it's, oh, that's probably I think it's still oh, two or three years left, maybe maybe four, but it just yeah, it just seems weird that that generation now to me. Um, it's a bit odd. Yeah, yeah, it is odd. I mean, yeah, even like in the visual style. Muddy. The like color range that a lot of the games had was so similar and like faded, 
Um, it's just something. Like dried out visuals and, yeah, strange, uh, strange, like, uh, I think it was just a strange error in, in video game development where it was, like, in right in the center of it being uh, the, like, the old graphics that was definitely not realistic from the late 90s, early 2000s before it turned into the late 2010s to now where it's so realistic. Mm. It's right in that middle gap where it doesn't know what the hell it is. Yeah. Because everything looks wonky. You reflect on it. And all, like, even gameplays, obviously not as refined as it is now because of that. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's just a weird time. Like, just reflecting on those games is weird. And that's why a game like Bioshock is, like, so, uh, like, incredibly uh, good because it it still feels like it could be new today. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's... It was like that weird... Yeah, so we, we've spoken before about the 360 PS3 era where it came from previous. It was the it was a huge jump tech, uh, technology-wise at the time, like going from one console to the next. It was really... It was huge. Mm. Um, and then the, the, you know, the jump to the Xbox One and PS4 wasn't quite as big, but it was still, still really good. Uh, and then it, that those graphical improvements got smaller and smaller so like we're at a point now where you'll notice that a game is based on the same engine or world as the the, the previous entry in the series yeah but it's but it's acceptable because it looks good and they're just getting closer to you know being really good from the start sort of thing yeah uh, sorry um it just it makes sense but at that time like something like brotherhood you knew straight away and it stuck out like a bit of a sore thumb when they had just cookie cut the same game you know game mode entry whatever yeah and you just sort of think i think brotherhood was starting to just feel like that's why it's a spin-off because they haven't put the effort into a you know we just want a whole new entry in a new place maybe mm-hmm. and that's why it was just sort of like yeah that's just that weird spin-offy vibe they were doing then when they were pumping out you know direct um movie games yeah like marvel movie games mm. like captain america and things you're like they don't do that anymore but no. every single movie used to have a video game with it. Yeah. <laughs> they were just too prolific. It was an error. It was. What an error. Yeah. Yeah. So, Assassin's Creed Revelations, the final entry in the Ezio, uh, in the Ezio trilogy. So, uh, Revelations is a 20 t- 2011 game. Again, produced and published, <clears throat> developed and published by the same people. Um, in this game, in... The main story spans the years fifteen eleven to twelve, so it's a much a bit of a smaller time period than the other games we've covered. But it follows an aged Ezio as he tra- travels to Constantinople in um in what is modern day Turkey, um, currently in modern day Istanbul, uh, to find five keys needed to unlock a library built by Altair Ibn Lahad. Uh, who's the protagonist of the first game. So in Constantinople, Ezio becomes caught in a war of succession uh, for the Ottoman throne and must unravel a conspiracy by the Byzantine Templars who are attempting to reclaim control of the city and acquire the keys to Altair's library themselves. So this is the very this was very a very big deal at the time. I'll say from the start the overall quality or warmth or need for the game you know, just the general wel- how welcoming we were of it was probably less than the other, less than the others. So from the outset, mm. it wasn't. It was still still a really good game, but it just wasn't as necessary. But bringing together the protagonists of 
Altier and Ezio. Everyone had been sort of, we'd sort of missed Altier to an, to an extent. So when he came back and he was brought into this game, super cool. Uh, and I yeah. certainly, I mean, that's cool to um, that's cool to uh, hear that mm. that there was a bit of a crossover there. Mm. That is good. Mm. So, and it's sort of it's a crossover in the sense that Desmond goes back and forth a bit. Actually, I'm pretty sure I can't remember if it's through Desmond's perspective the whole time. But regardless, you're living through Ezio's Ezio's perspective. But then also when you're finding the tablets or at certain points of Ezio's journey, you get to replay some of Altair's um, yeah, memories. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he's a bit older. He's older than the first game. So he's like, he's the mentor now. Um, he's um, he's finally learned how to speak in an Arabic, uh, a Syrian accent. He's not American anymore. <laughs> yeah, okay. Which is, which is quite impo- important, I think, uh, for his, for his own identity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which it's funny because just because we were used to him in an American accent, suddenly it was like he just sounds like a different character now. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like it's non-canon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, you're like, thank God they got rid of his damn ca- <laughs> Californian accent. <laughs> um, but in the yeah, so in, in this game, um, yeah, Ezio is he's really he's wide, wise and old. Um, he's in his fifties now, as you mentioned on the front cover. He's looking very. He's looking quite old. He's got grizzled, the grizzled, withered. Got the salt and pepper beard. Yeah, going on. Yeah, you. And he's he's going more. Hmm? It's you, Hugh Jackman. Hugh, it is. Yeah. 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 He, oh yeah, he's going away from the George Clooney more to the old Hugh Jackman. Yeah, he's going full Wolverine. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, <laughs> but he but but as evident in the trailer, which is uh really cool, he moves as well as ever. He's is as lethal as anything. Mm. Uh, I don't know how, but you'd reckon he'd be a bit stiff by that point. That he's uh, he's all good. You just don't see his lots um, of ice baths. You just don't see his um, yeah, stretching routine and yeah, and his yoga. Yeah, yeah, cucumber on his eyes, and all <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, <clears throat> so as I mentioned before, he's sort of come to accept that he's the he's you know just a messenger between the gods and Desmond, um, which is a bit of a humbling thought in itself you know he thought he was early on that he was the not necessarily the center of attention but he thought like i am the one who's going to make a difference and he's like oh i'm literally just here to for someone to talk to someone else really Mm. um but like in terms of the actual you know the gameplay uh as well like you get to zip line because you get this grapple hook um that's the new weapon for this game um you, it's sort of, sort of like an extension. I think it's on the other wrists, but it's like a... Oh, it's no, other wrist. He's got two hidden blades. But one of them, I think, doubles as, yeah, this hook. So you can zip line across the, um, all of the buildings because Con- Constantinople's huge. Um, and uh, which sort of adds another bit of a... I don't know, random... Like a random element to combat where he hooks people. With a hook, you know, does things. <laughs> uh, but there's also tower defense uh, missions um, where you use your brotherhood to sort of stop uh, random uh, Ottoman or uh, Byzantine advances up city walls by like getting people to throw bombs or building fortresses and all this sort of thing. People actually really panned it, and I actually thought it was really fun. Yeah, okay. Because it worked well. People just thought, oh, it's so random and stupid because it's not assassiny. I'm like, yeah, he didn't complain about other stuff. This is actually this actually worked really well. It's like um, like think of it as Batman's tank 
tank segments. Yeah, yeah. And people yep. complained about that, but it was actually really fun. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, people love to complain, right? Yeah. It's all made up anyway, so it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The um he the the other weapon that's added to it are the bombs because you're sort of because Constantinople it's so full of uh I'm not connecting this with weapons but you know like it's full of literally spice and everything like it's all about um alchemist alchemists and uh, merchants mm-hmm. uh, it, it is almost like Constantinople almost is uh, that perfect blend of the locations from the previous games. You know, it's that it's literally where Europe and Asia meet. Yeah. One side of the river's Asia, one side of the other side's Europe. Mm-hmm. And uh, in that sort of way, you can just see that they've got all these random concoctions that, you know, you're making these bombs. Um, <clears throat> and it just adds this, uh, it just adds this flair to the place that's, um, that's quite unique, but it seems very, it's very exotic in that same way. Th- even like you think of Game of Thrones when da- uh, Daenerys goes over to, um, uh, you know, like what's it called, uh, Carth, and yeah. you know, like, you know that, that sort of place. It's mm-hmm. sort of like that. You, you feel like you're on this weird. You're a bit of a fish out of water because you because yeah. you're not in Italy anymore. Well, it's interesting to hear that they actually took him out of Italy too. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh. Yeah, he got he got he went fair way away. He went on a bit of a a bit of a, a pilgrimage of sorts he's just he's yep. become the old nomad now mm-hmm. but he still has brotherhood connections though because you know, there is a brotherhood an assassin's assassin's bureau in constantinople and it's got yusuf he's an outgoing lad he's pretty excitable loves he he loves the he loves the uh, the bravado you know but Ezio's past that he's like, um but the brotherhood part is still a part of this but it's not as cool it's not as overpowered and they strip the combat combat back to be well, they stripped the 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 OP part of it, the overpowered part I was talking about. So it's um a lot more difficult, but also it's just an outdated fighting system by this point. It's like if you're going to make me overpowered, don't take it back to being a bit more of a slugfest. Because yeah, I just got killed <laughs> a lot, which is obviously it's not it wasn't a fun challenge. It was just a bit frustrating. Yeah, yeah. There's bombs getting thrown around. There's these all these different new classes of guards like. There's like elite, um, <clears throat> like elite guards who are obviously yeah they're, all, they're the type that are more agile, better armored, dual wield weapons, all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just wasn't quite as good, but but yeah, just overall Constantinople. It just uh, it was the it was really really well done, and just another cool place to go. And like you know the Hagia Sophia, that massive cathedral again. Cathedrals are the coolest places I think in a lot of these. Um, you know, sort of medieval places, and that was another, uh, you know, really accurate replication of of the city because it has all its little uh, all its little districts and everything, and the bazaars and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but just uh, a little, just a little bit more on the, the whole because the old the Altair the Ezio's interaction with Altair. Um is probably the highlight of the game. And you go back to Masyaf, which is the place, the fortress of the Assassin's Bureau in the first game. Um, so it's really it's really cool to be back there, but it's quite somber because um, especially when you go there as Etzioka, it's all abandoned. You go there at the very start of the game and it's just overrun by random guards looking for this library, like the Templars. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's weird to see it been abandoned so long. Um, 
we actually, when we finally get all the keys and go to the library and get in, <clears throat> uh, we actually find Altier's skeleton, and he's he's got <laughs> the uh, he's got the piece of Eden in his in his hand. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so it's quite a, it's got an epic yeah, it's quite an epic um, you know finishing uh, it's sort of you know quite sad as well um, I guess. <clears throat> but it's cool seeing that Altier, like originally such an arrogant person himself, had to he had you know he had some he had to sacrifice himself to protect this piece. Like he just went, mm-hmm. you know, he's old, things are going to go to shit. I'm just going to go lock myself in the vault and I'll just die to make sure this thing's protected. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so I just sort of and Altier being there and seeing him and realizing he's such an important part of history, which we knew because we controlled it Altier in the first game. Yeah. It's just this really nice combination of these two former arrogant uh sort of wankers to an extent mm-hmm. suddenly they're just like uh, yeah they just respect the hard the hardships they've been through for the betterment of other people um so yeah it's just a, it's just a nice little nice little wrap up um again this ottoman um ottomans versus byzantines this is an is a historical context um, is a really cool like each district is controlled by a different lot or one side of the river is controlled by Byzantines the other's Ottoman Byzantines are like the the offshoot of the Roman Empire so it's um, or sorry remnants of the Roman Empire so that's sort of like where they're connected to the Templars I think um, because it's just this whole struggle between Islam Christianity all this sort of thing um, so it sort of keeps the place quite alive but very volatile as well because there's always brawls in the street between different guards and you can use that to your advantage um and yeah in terms of like historical characters this is you know prince suleiman suleiman um he'll he'll actually one day become uh one of the uh ottoman empire's greatest sultans Mm. um so we get to meet him when he's young there's manuel uh paleolagos um He's the, uh, yeah, he was an heir to the um, Byzantine Empire and just, yeah, just a Piri, Piri race. I think he was an inventor, um, Ishak Pasha. He was a vizier. You know, all these sorts of random characters, which I've seen in his, history documentaries as well. So, yeah. And Nic- Niccolo and Mafio Polo, the, the, I think the dad and uncle of Marco Polo. <laughs> you know, all these sort of things. Just cool. Yeah. And you look it up and that, you know, they sort of were actually in the, in, Constantinople around this time so you're just like yeah those little things are yeah cool to rub it's shoulders. always clear like when you hear that kind of thing in these games as to why you're so interested in this kind of history or whether it was before mm. Assassin's Creed or after but it certainly complemented that uh love you have for all this sort of information well this was before this sort of spurred this sort of made me yeah randomly look up these history times in history mm-hmm. I will say as well actually so in just quickly Desmond's a useless lump of meat in this game well what's the resolute what's the revel the resolution to- well there isn't one because he the resolution's in assassin's creed 3 for desmond mm. but basically all that's happened is he ended up in a coma after the brotherhood and now he's just he was no he was hurt so now they've induced him in a coma in the animus and basically he you randomly players him running around in the animus chasing this other guy subject 16 who's also stuck in the animus and in the second game, I was going to mention, in the second game, you find all these puzzles and clues left throughout Italy from this bloke called Subject 16, all these weird history files and puzzles you do, and they're really cool. And he leaves really creepy, actually, um, voice messages uh, and stuff. 
and it was so like, and I, I, it was one of the coolest parts of Assassin's Creed 2 I completely forgot to mention. And then you come to 3 and you meet him. He's just said just this total dude <laughs> who's just stuck in the animus. He's a sassy, like, smart ass. And it's like, you dropped the ball. I don't, Desmond, <laughs> I don't care about you. And they changed Desmond's face. Oh, really? It was, it was creepy. He looked like a fish. <laughs> it was really weird. Yeah, okay. So. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. So basically what happened, they found out where the, the piece of Eden was and uh, where the map of, I think, uh, and in doing so found this location of the vault for where the countdown for this apocalypse is, leading to number three. But what about Ezio? Good question, Will. <laughs> so in an so Ezio retires, he's happy and he goes back to Italy, right? At the end of the game, he's just like, Yeah, okay, I've served my life's purpose. I'm going back home. But in an animated short, short film called uh, Assassin's Creed Embers, um, the last years of Ezio's life are chronicled. So after his retirement uh, from the Order of Assassins, he settled down in a Tuscan villa near Monteriggioni with Sophia who's a bit of a love interest from Revelations. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have two children, Flavia and Marcello. In 1524, a mysterious Chinese woman appears at his door requesting his help. The woman, Xiao Jun, is a member of the vanquished Chinese assassin order and sought Ezio's advice in how to help her people and rebuild their order. After helping Xiao fight off soldiers sent by the Chinese emperor, uh, Jia Jing, and training her, all, all that he knows, Ezio sees Xiao on her way back to China, armed with the wisdom she came seeking him for. But then shortly thereafter, while on a trip to the market square in Florence, Ezio dies from a heart attack at the age of 65. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. That is a weird, unexpected way for him to die. Well... 65 is a good age back then. We've been through a hard, that hard life. Yeah, I, I was I was assuming... But it wasn't battle. <laughs> I was assuming the Chinese uh, people to come and kill him or something. And he said, oh, no, yeah. well, he just had a heart attack. <laughs> yeah. So I think it I think it finishes up this really interesting um, uh, and a very unique uh, storyline that hasn't really been done in games before where we literally follow someone from their birth. Mm-hmm. Which is why I think it is important that we end up seeing his birth in, in hindsight, especially. Yeah. Literally till his death, which is just of old age. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I think it's because of all the stress of the years. He was a bit, you know, I think he was just ready. Uh, I can't remember from watching it. It's a cool little short. It's only about five to ten minutes. Um, and, yeah, he just ends up dying, having achieved uh, quite a lot and helping quite a lot of people, but being ultimately him not being the recipient of any, uh, you know, real, uh, I don't know, reward or anything like that for his efforts. Mm. Um, and I think his legacy on video games can't be understated. Yeah, he's a very interesting character mm. overall. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the end of Ezio, that suave bastard. But it's not the end of Desmond. It's not the end of Desmond. But some of Ezio's lifetime achievements... At the uh, at the 2010 um, Spike Video Game Awards, he won the award for best dressed, uh, best dressed assassin. <laughs> uh, while Pace named him as one of the best costume video uh, costume characters in video games. Okay. Uh, games Radar named uh, Ezio Mister 2009 
um, in their article on the sexiest new characters of the decade. <laughs> Mr. 2009. <laughs> uh, furthermore, uh, PlayStation official magazine ranked Ezio fifth on their list of finest facial hair gaming has to offer. Incredible. And I'm hoping that's for Brotherhood. It was black. That, yeah. So that's that's what he will be remembered for. Well, he can rest easy knowing that he won all of that. Yeah. Yeah. So just... And so can you. <laughs> I, yeah. I've got a, I, get, I get a red beard, so I'll never see such <laughs> appreciation. Um, so overall, I just wanted to say, fantastic trilogy Yeah, for, for me as a whole. Again, just as a, a bit of a story arc for one of, again, gaming's more colourful characters. Um, each game offers a, a different enough experience to warrant replays um, and to warrant their existence. You know, you don't want to, even if the value's not quite as good as the the previous, they're still they're still very solid. Um, it was probably yeah, again, it was probably the first time we'd ever fight a character from the birth to death, um, or you know, death of old age. Um, but yeah, even if he you know, wasn't the assassin I'd have liked in terms of being a cold-blooded killer. He's probably the most charming character ever created. Um, and he's deservedly the most memorable character of the 10 or so main protagonists we've got in the uh, in the core console series of Assassin's Creed because otherwise there's about 29 of them. Yeah. But uh, bravissimo, Signor Auditore. Well done. You nailed it. So a lot of information. My brain is overloaded <laughs> right now. <laughs> it's it's good we didn't get into the stories yeah. of each game. That's it. Control it, but it's just uh, going to be one episode per game. I think. Yeah. <laughs> again, it's a it's a game where uh, you, yeah, again the characters reflect the settings really well in the series overall. I think yeah. that's something that probably in you know talking about today, I've sort of come to realise that there is that real strong correlation that's important for each game. And I think it's just, uh, it is one of those series where the, the setting is, sets the tone for the entire, well, literally sets the tone for each game. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, uh, can't be understated. It's significance to gaming. I don't think Assassin's mm. Creed in that, in that time of its life, mm. um, added, you know, brought a lot of things to gaming that were replicated, whether they were good or bad. Um, but yeah, no, good, good, uh, good job. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired from all that information. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. No, look, I, I hope it's, uh, I hope it was all right for everyone. Again, it's a bit of an info dump, but as much as it is a, a, a reflection on video games, it's a, a reflection on history. Yeah. And it's important to revisit the past to learn for the future. That's why we sit in the technology. Yeah. To, to learn what happened in the past, mm. to be better. Yeah, better versions of ourselves. Burning question for you, Will. <laughs> if you had, if you go back to one period in time to be an assassin, mm. oh god, and who would you kill? <laughs> I don't have the, uh, I don't have the knowledge of the <laughs> of the past like you do, <laughs> and all the people. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'd go back to, uh, you know, when <laughs> when Jesus was alive. <laughs> to kill who? <laughs> well, <laughs> erase it, Moses. Of course. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, potentially. It was a fair while before. But yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Judas. I don't know. I, 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 I'd say honestly, probably because it probably hasn't been done yet. Maybe like Western. Yeah. Maybe like a Western era time, and I'd kill uh, some sort of um, famed cowboy or or whatever. Mm. Um, maybe that would be cool. Yeah, so, well, some sort of Western thing. I think uh, even though I haven't played Assassin's Creed Four, that would probably be the the kind of place I'd maybe I'd want to go anyway. Yeah. So like maybe that kind of um, Caribbean esque era, mm. or you know, um, area. Area. Yeah. Um, yeah. I certainly wouldn't go back to um, to Assassin's Creed Three, even though we'll talk about that game eventually, and we like that game. But I don't want to go to uh, America. Civil War and all that stuff. Yeah, no. <laughs> Why would you want to do that? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think anything that's not a digital technology era, so mm. that it is a hand-to-hand combat still, and it's sort of, yeah. I think that's important. Yeah. You, It'll work anyway. You probably want to go future, cyberpunk <laughs> era. Watchdogs. I want to go, I want to go back to day one. Yeah. Just find a rock and hit men. <laughs> you could go to like a caveman era. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, Fire Cry Primal. Right. There's a game I'll never play. Yeah. That came out. There was a, all dinosaurs and everything, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mammals. Uh, mammals. <laughs> yeah, there was mammals. Ma- <laughs> Mammoths. <laughs> Mammoths, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's an interesting question. I'd say I'm going to go with Western, Western era. Oh, good. Something like um, that. And I'm going to drive a big train. <laughs> I'm basically going to relive Back to Future 3, um, but but with a hidden blade. Are you going to kill Biff? With the blade. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And I'm going to put a hidden blade on the train. <laughs> so it just sticks out and hits things in front. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, good luck to you. You're ambitious. I'll give you that. Yeah. Yeah. Got to be. Well... Well done. That Thanks. was a, a great recap. I'm sure everyone loved loved hearing about the Ezio trilogy. And if you want to play it, go play it. As as you said, it's available and available on Switch too. For um, you know, take it on the plane, play play it on the way to bloody Rome. Mm. That'd be kind of cool. If you yeah. went on holiday to Italy, you could play some Assassin's Creed on the way. Yeah, yeah. punch on with the Pope before you see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, great stuff. We will be back. We will be back. Yeah. It's important to know. Um, <laughs> at some stage, won't we? Yep. With another another episode about another game or something else. Mm. Won't we? Yeah, we will. Mm. But but thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you for listening, Will. You've been a gracious offsider, little sidekick. <laughs> yeah. Once again. And uh, happy to be the guest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But everyone, uh, you know, tell your friends about us. Tell your friends to listen. Susan podcast <laughs> and we'll all be a happy family yes until our steak gets burned to the ground yeah yeah <laughs> yeah anyway see you later everyone bye